It's been a while since I've um, done a word study, uh, and so I wanted to have a bit of a look at that, and um, it's, it blows me away that the depth of, of the scriptures and how much you can find in there, and, and so <clears throat> I wanted to have a look at the word upright, or uprightly. And just have a bit of a look at that, that word, the definition of it, what it means or to, um, to be upright or to walk uprightly. And had a bit of a look and searched through the scriptures and 66 times the word upright is mentioned uh, in the Bible. Uh, 65 of those are in the Old Testament. 25 times it's found in Psalms and 16 times in Proverbs. And, and that's probably where you most familiar with that that term and but there's just one instance of the word upright uh, used in the new testament as the english word upright and one other time uh, it is found in uh, in the new testament but it is uprightly so upright and then uprightly and uh, so i wanted to have a look at just the new testament um, this evening and uh, to, to go in and have a look at that. And so to start with, we need to have a bit of a look at the New Testament originally written in the Greek. So we need to have a look at, look at that. And I've got a good word study guide uh, which helped me with that. And the Greek word for upright is the, the, the word orthos, O-R-T-H-O-S, orthos, which means upright or erect, to stand straight up from a prostrate, um, prostrate position. So from laying on the floor, getting up. And uh, when I first think of upright as and its definition, it makes me think of a, a little old man or a little old woman sort of getting around and it's like, oh, and they're not standing very upright. Or you might see your kids and they're hunched over looking at their phone or something, it's like, oh, stand up straight, get upright and get your shoulders back so you've got a good posture. You think of that, that posture side of uh, um, things when we look at that definition. And that's what we can see in this first mention in the book of Acts. So let's turn over to Acts. We have this word orthos used here, Acts chapter 14. And I'll read verses 8 through to 11. Acts 14, 8 through to 11. And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, and perceived that he had faith to be healed, and said with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet. And he leapt and walked. And when he saw, and when the people saw that Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Lycania, The gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. So we've got an account here of this lame man. So Paul was in Lystra, which is located in present-day Turkey, and he was preaching the gospel. And as he was going along, this disabled man 
uh, who'd never walked in his life, had obviously had heard the message, and um, he perceives, Paul perceives that this man, um, who was never able to work, walk uprightly from birth, had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, had faith to believe of what he was preaching. I don't know how Paul figured that out. Maybe uh, he could see it on the, the disabled man's face. He could see his enthusiasm and uh, his, want, his keenness and wantonness um, to be able to commune probably with Paul and ask him more questions and things like that. Maybe it was, it was the Holy Spirit who had um, led him um, to that man to be able to get him to pick it out. It was maybe um, a bit of a combination of both of those things to be able to, for Paul to be able to get that and and find that man and knew that something amazing was was going to be able to happen. And he didn't have to touch him um, to do this. He just spoke to the man and he jumped upright and was able to, to walk around. Not only... He was able to get up and start to walk, but he leapt. Said he he leapt there, so he didn't have to go into rehab for six to twelve months and and come back. Now, this guy had never walked before, so his his ability to be able to bear his own weight and the muscles would all would have atrophied and and not have been there. So a dramatic change has happened in him straight away to be able to jump up and and um, walk upright and run around and, and praise, praise in God. But looking at that story, though, and, and we, this term upright here is used in a physical sense. So this man was laying down from birth, and now he was able to be upright, uh, erect, and walking around like the majority of people. But we can hit... As we look at this story, we can see a clear analogy to us as sinners. From birth, we've had a a disability that stops us from being able to to walk uprightly. And that disability is sin. It makes us weak. It makes us crooked and stooped and unable to walk uh, or unable to at least walk properly. But through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we can move from that position, something we've had from birth, to be in an upright state. We can be forgiven of our sins and released from that burden of sin and have that freedom to be able to, to walk uprightly. That burden of sin has been removed. We've been realigned to um, the straight and narrow path that God has set out for us. And so this first um, mention of upright is talking about that physical side of things. But let's look at another time. Uh, another time orthos is used, and we'll see whether you can pick it here. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And we'll read verses 12 and 13. So see if you can 
pick the word here. It's not upright, it's something else. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it be rather be healed. So where do we think orthos is in, in that? What's the English word that orthos has been used this time? Straight. Straight onto it. Absolutely. So, again, so this is um, orthos. So make orthos paths for your feet. Make straight paths for your feet. So this time, uh, orthos is used for the word straight. And this time it is used in a moral sense. So the first time, talking about the healing of the uh, the lame man was in a physical sense. This time what it's talking about is in a moral sense. Um, in a moral sense straight as opposed to being crooked. We just looked at the healing of the lame man and how he was physically made upright. In this passage, it is used in that moral sense, as I said. Morally, we need to be upright. And when we think of someone who is morally upright... We think of them as being true or being right, someone as being good, those sort of things. And we're told here in these verses to make sure that we don't fall off the way. It talks about there um, that we can get um, tired and weak. Or it talks about our hands which hang down and we've got feeble knees that aren't working. So who's got hands that sometimes hang down and feeble knees that start knocking and you're exhausted? And sometimes when you're exhausted and, and tired and not going so well, you can get distracted, you can go off the path and go into something that you go somewhere where you originally didn't plan to go. And we can get off that straight and narrow path that Christ has put us on when he saved us. We're on that right path, but we can get distracted and, and head off in a different way. So what we need to do is to be able to protect ourselves from that. It says there that we need to make straight our paths for our feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. So we don't want to get turned out of the way, we want to stay on the way. So then how do we do that? Well, let's read on in verse 14 and 15. This is how, what we do to protect ourselves. 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Verse 15. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up to trouble you, and therefore... Many be defiled. So there's a lot just in those two verses. Um, the first part there, follow peace. We are to live peaceably with all people. You know people have drama all the time around them. And they're always having problems with people all the time. Do you, do you see that those people as being upright? Being true and walking in the right way if they if you're constantly getting into conflict with people there's something going on 
And we can't, we, our natural tendency is wanting to blame someone else for that problem. It's always their fault. But there's always two sides to a relationship, two sides to a story. And um, we need to be able to look at, look at ourselves. But we need to follow peace. We are to live peacefully with all men. We are not to cause trouble. What else does it say here? We're to follow peace with all men and holiness. We are to live holy lives. That's a hard one. It's not easy to be able to live up to the standard that Christ upholds. He's perfect sinless and as a Christian, we've been forgiven of our sins, but we're not sinless, so we are going to falter and, and fail, but we are to be trying to be working towards that holiness. We've got that progressive sanctification happening in our lives, and um, we need to be trying to live holier every day that we walk with God. We don't want to abuse God's grace. God has forgiven us of so much. We have that debt of love to him, um, because he's done such a wonderful thing for us. We don't want to abuse that by just going and living the life the way we want to be able to live and, and abusing um, that grace not li- by, by not living holy lives. So we're talking about protecting ourselves from going off the path, making sure that we are continuing to live upright lives. And so we look, we want to live peaceably and we want to live in holiness And then what else? In verse 15 there, it says, looking diligently. What what is this about? Looking for what? And initially I thought about looking diligently for the coming of the Lord. Uh, His second coming, coming back again, being snatched away. And yes, we are instructed to do this, and this in itself, uh, by having that, focus on Christ we've got that blessed assurance that blessed hope of of him coming again soon and John was talking about it just a a little while ago how we we're hopefully not going to be here by 2030 and 2040 2050 with with different things happening the Lord could come at any stage and it is a blessed hope um, and we're instructed to do that and is an encouragement to keep on the path as well It, it is an encouragement but this is not what it's talking about here Really what we're talking about here by um, looking diligently is looking, um, making sure that we're diligent to be looking to make sure that we aren't going off the path. Looking diligently around us to make sure that we aren't going astray. And even looking diligent to, to those who are around us to make sure they're not going astray as well. But primarily we need to look at ourselves and analyse ourselves. We need to be on watch that we ourselves don't go astray, that we don't become complacent and think that everything is okay in our life. Look diligently to make sure that we are keeping strong in the Lord, in his word. We're not becoming weak and feeble and falling off the path into crooked paths. We can self-correct if we are looking for it. If we aren't, well, then we're, going to, we're going to be blinded to it. Isn't that true? Have you ever um, been uh, looked at one of those where's Wally pictures? And we know to look for Wally and we're looking around for Wally and there's lots, of, lots going on in there, but 
some a lot of them now are putting other things in there. You've got to find a kettle or something like that. But if you aren't looking for it, you probably wouldn't see it. If you don't know to look for it, you'd miss it. There's lots going on and you would probably miss um, what's happening there. It's the same in our own life. If we're not looking for it, we're not looking to, to make sure that we're staying on the path, we're going to miss it. And we'll, we'll start to waver off before we know it. So if we're diligent about looking into our own life and seeing areas that we need to fix up, then we're going to be able to then find them and do something about them. But if we aren't, we're probably not going to find them um, until something dramatic happens. And sometimes the Lord has to do that to us. He has to do something big and dramatic to be able to get our attention um, and, and to get us to correct the path that we're on. Um, but what else does this verse say can happen if we're not diligent? If we're not diligent in the Lord and um, staying on the right track, it says a root of bitterness will spring up and trouble you. A root of bitterness can cause many other issues in life. It's, a, it's really a core uh, a root problem in, in a lot of people's lives. And it can cause anger and um, <clears throat> resentment and hate and, and lots of other surface problems that, that can spring up in people's lives. But it can come back um, to that root of bitterness that can, that can spring up if we don't sort things out. How many Christians have you seen who have, been, who have moved from walking the straight and narrow path and have moved off into the world? And have a lot of times they've become bitter against the church or bitter against the people that are in the church. That root of bitterness can spring up within them and that can turn around and, uh, and keep them and push, push them further away. As I said, bitterness can, call, can be a, a, a root problem that can stick with us if it's not dealt with. It causes all sorts of other issues for us if we don't go back and sort out that bitterness. This can be from anywhere. We might have to ask for forgiveness from people to go and humble ourselves and, and confess and, and ask for forgiveness. We might have to forgive others. Someone may have done something to us and we're that bitter and twisted about what they've done to us that we don't want to forgive them. We hold that up. Again, we need to be able to hand it over to the Lord and let the Lord work with it and, and, get, um, and, and make sure that we can come to that point where we can forgive another person for something they might have done to us. And there is great freedom in, in having a clear conscience God will allow you to be able to walk upright. If you've got that burden being lifted from you, there's great freedom and, and joy that comes from having that. Running out of time. Another Greek word, which is a cinnamon to, um, to upright, is alphinos. Alphinos. Which is someone, so this is a cinnamon, a cinnamon, am I saying it right? I'm going to... That one too? I keep saying cinnamon. I'm going to have some cinnamon and sugar on my <laughs> pancakes in the morning. But um, 
It's a, a word that sounds very similar to this one or means something very similar. And so Althanos is someone who is truthful, who is real and who is genuine. We need to ask those questions of ourselves. Are we true, real and genuine? And there are a lot of fake people out there, aren't there? Um, they're just in it for themselves and they're, they are quite false. They're quite false with other people. They either want to uh, say what they want to say to be able to get their own way or just act a certain way because they think that's going to please you but that's not really the way that they want to act or, or be. We could take social media uh, as an example, how fake social media is. There's a one there called Instagram, and it's all about photos and looking fabulous and all that sort of stuff, sharing things, and there's people in there who are either celebrities or they're, they're influencers. There's a whole new term out there for people who, uh, who have got that many followers out there that people then pay them money to be able to show different products and that's how they earn their money. But it's so fake. they posing, life's wonderful, life's beautiful, everything's looking really good and they look fabulous and everything must be fabulous. But a lot of those people have got more problems than, than your everyday Joes. You see every day celebrities having... Um, relationship breakups, they've got drug and alcohol problems, they've got no meaning in their life, they feel empty, they've got millions of followers but they've got no friends. They've, got, they've lost social connection um, with people now because they don't even have real conversations with people. It's, it's fake. It's fake. But to be upright, we need to be real. And we need to be truthful. And sometimes that's going to involve going through some tough situations where we need to tell people the truth or tell the truth that might get ourselves in trouble because we've, we have told the truth. Sometimes it means telling our friends maybe that something that they don't want to hear but they might need to hear. You know what? Sometimes your friends are going to respect that more than if you just told them what they want to hear. So when they come to you for counsel, they come to you to share something, they know that you're, you're real, you're going to tell them the truth, tell them what they should be doing, rather than just reaffirming their own position about what they want to do. But sometimes they may not see that straight away either, and they might get angry with you because you have been truthful with them. And it might not be till later, but if you do it in love... Uh, do it to, to help them, um, they will see it eventually and be able to appreciate that. Another Greek word similar to orthos is dikaios, uh, which is the word, the Greek word for just. And this is another good word study in of itself. To be upright, we need to be just. We need to, again, ask our questions. Are we just? And just is being defined as being based on or behaving according to what is morally right and fair. 
Do we conduct ourselves in a morally right and fair way? Again, we need to be seeking diligently to see whether we haven't drifted off. We need to be careful that we haven't moved away from what is morally right and fair. And, and that usually doesn't happen overnight. It happens gradually. You, you slowly move off. You slowly change what you're thinking about and, and um, your, uh, what you think is morally right. In 15 years of asking high school students throughout the US whether in an emergency situation they would save their dog or a stranger first, most students have answered that they would not save the stranger. Quote here says, I love my dog, I don't love the stranger, was what they always said. So, the feeling of love has supplanted God or religious um, principle as the moral guide for young people. So what is right has been redefined in terms of what this, what you feel as an individual. So if I feel things are right and it's okay in my eyes, well, it's okay. Rather than looking to see what God has laid down in his word about what is right and true and fair and moral, um, they're looking at themselves. So they've moved away from looking at God and his morals and that's what society has done. We're living in a humanistic society now. Our, our law and, and the way of living was based upon godly principles. Um, our law society and, and everything is based around um, pretty much the, the Ten Commandments and, and the principles laid out in God's word. But we want to reject God and so we have to look for other reasons to be able to, to continue on doing those things. So it's about what the masses think. And if, if socially that's all okay, well, it's okay now. Or if I feel it's okay, it's all, it's all right to do. But then they've lost that view of, of God, looking, looking away from that. So going back to our original word, orthos, a word that comes... Um, from that is uh, another Greek word called orthotomio, orthotomio, and which also means um, right. So that first part, ortho, means right, and the second part, tomio, um, temno, is to cut or divide. Uh, divide. So right and cut or uh, divide. This is only found once in the New Testament. Where do you think that is? Correct. You're sharp, sharp. Second Timothy 2.15. Started to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So ortho to meo is rightly divide. Ortho to meo. So here it's meaning rightly dividing. So to be upright, we need also to be able to rightly divide the word of God. So, to do that, we need to be in it. We need to read it. We need to study it. We need to meditate upon it. We need to compare scripture with scripture. Don't take it out of context. We need to be able to use study aids. 
need to be able to use Greek and, and Hebrew concordances and word study books and there's lots of, lots of content out there for you to be able to help you to be able to rightly divide. And so you can dig in, find these deeper meanings of, of words and, and, um, and to, be able to be able to see that correctly. But we've got so many churches out there who, who can't do that. They can't rightly divide the word of God. They're wrongly dividing it. We need to be in the word to be able to spot that, though. And the example given is, is those who are trained to be able to spot counterfeit money. The way that they do that is that they're constantly studying the real thing. They look at the real money, they, they feel it, they touch it, they smell it, they look at it under a microscope, they, can, they know all the, the security measures that they have in, all in there now. And so they know it that intimately that when something comes up that's just a bit off, they can spot it straight away because they, they know it so well. And we need to be able to be the same with God's word, to be able to know it so well. When someone comes in and says something, you're like, oh, hang on, some of that's right, but there's something wrong, there's something off. There's something not right about the way, what, what they've said. We should be able to be able to pick up on those sort of things. And if we're, we're not able to, we'll easily be led astray as well. We won't be able to stay upright. We'll get uh, led off the path. The other spot uh, uprightly is found in the New Testament is Galatians chapter 2. You can turn over there to Galatians chapter 2. Verse 11 to 14. But when Peter was come to Antioch, and we stood him face because, um, and we stood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before that, certain came from James. He did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews disassembled likewise with him, insomuch as Barnabas also was carried away with his dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly, beholding to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of the Gentiles, and not um, as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? Now here we've got Paul having a talk with Peter about his actions. And when there was no Jews around, he was happily eating with the Gentiles. But when the Jews suddenly come around, he felt a bit self-conscious about that, a bit scared about what they were going to think, and he stopped eating with the Gentiles. Other Christians then saw what his actions saw his actions about what he he had done, and also followed his example, followed suit. So not only was he living a double standard to please men, but his example then influenced others who then followed it along with what um, and, and thought what he was doing was okay. We need to remember that, to be able to remember that we need to walk up uprightly. Not to be able to just stay on the right track and please others, but remembering that we influence others around us as well. 
We influence our children and our family, our friends, our workmates, our neighbours, the people we go to school with. We all have a sphere of influence around us. And the way we live and act um, has has a reaction, has um, uh, an influence on those people. And they see us do something and they're like, oh, is is that how a Christian's supposed to act? They're pretty good at pointing out how Christians are supposed to act. And I was like, oh, that's the way a Christian acts. Why why should I have to change anything? I don't have to do anything. Or they say, oh, they can do that. Well, that means I can do that as well. That's okay. Let's go. So we need to be able to think about the influence that we have on other people. We need to be able to keep our own life on track, be able to walk uprightly and stay on the path. But we also need to be able to think about how our actions then influence other people as well. To finish up, Philippians chapter 4, 8. You can turn over there. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. It says there, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. What are some of the definitions and, and, and things that we looked at tonight about walking uprightly? What sort of things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report, virtue, praising? That's, that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to be able to live an upright life, to be able to follow all these things. This is what he's commanding us to do, wanting us to do. He wants us to walk uprightly. Let's follow after these things. Let's be blessed personally by God for being able to do this and be able to walk uprightly but also be a blessing to others as we walk an upright life let's pray Lord God we thank you for your word and um, it's leading uh, in our lives Lord and we thank you for uh, your direction Lord to live an upright life we pray that you would help me and help everyone here Lord everyone listening as well to be more upright Lord to Look, be looking diligently in our own life to be able to see um, corrections that we might need to make, Lord, areas of change, uh, how we can live more holy lives, Lord, which are honouring unto you. We pray that you would help us to be in your word, to fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord, that we can be uh, blessings to those who are around us. We pray that you would be with us as we, we go into prayer time now, and we uh, thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen.